Hello, and welcome to the Caregivers Stories podcast, where we discuss all types of dementia and hopefully share some caregiver stories along the way. My name is Kimberly Scott, and I'm a part-time caregiver to my mother, who at the age of 65 was diagnosed with early onset dementia. And in to give caregivers a place to tell their story when they're ready, continue to educate those who don't know about dementia and what to do if their loved one is diagnosed. And most importantly, I want to get people talking and having a tough conversation about the what if your loved one is diagnosed, then what? Do you have a plan? I wish my mom and I had had that tough conversation before she was diagnosed. So if you want to share your story or have knowledge about dementia and want to be a guest on Caregiver Story podcast, visit thatkimberly.com to sign up to be interviewed. And while you're there, you can pick what platform you prefer to listen to the podcast on, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Google, YouTube, and now Amazon Alexa. Now I'd like to introduce my guest today, Peggy Bushy. Hello. Hi, Peggy. Thank you for joining me today. Well, thank you for having me, and thank you for raising awareness, especially with Lewy body disease or dementia, which not many people know about. So it's important. It's an important cause to raise awareness. Absolutely. And and not many people understand that dementia is a symptom of all these others, including Lewy bodies, and that it's not just Alzheimer's. That just automatically, I had to learn that you know, very quickly that there's more types of dementia. And so I'm really excited that you're willing to share your story about being a caregiver for your mother. So tell the listeners a little bit of background about who you are and what led you to this point in time in your life. Well, my mother lived with with my family and me Mm -hmm. since, well, forever, for 35 years before she finally went into long care facility. And around her 50s, she started making up stories, but they were, you know, maybe one crazy story a year. And after about 10 or 20 years, it started to progress in the the stories, the wild stories, because she was hallucinating, mm. became more and more. And her hallucinations became more vivid and there were men in her bed. And I didn't really know what was going on. Wow. So I Googled and Googled and Googled. I checked her medications. I checked all kinds of avenues to try to figure out what was making her hallucinate. And I thought she had elderly schizophrenia that because she would have conversations with these people. She'd just make up these wild stories, not make mm-hmm. them up. They were really in her head. Yeah. And yeah. finally, my cousin texted me and said, Louie body dementia, Google it. And I did. And my mother had every single symptom, except drooling. She didn't drool. Okay. And from there on, I tried to get her treated. So she lived with you. And then when she started showing these signs of hallucinations, I should say, she didn't want to go to the doctor. I know my dad hates doctors. So that's why I asked. Was she adamant about not going to the doctor? She did not share what she should have shared with her primary care. Got so it. I took her to mine. And okay. The other thing with Lewy body dementia is that, you know, that the person can fluctuate in and out of cognition and she was very strong. She fooled a lot of people. My oh. primary care doctor said, there is nothing wrong with this woman. She's a lovely person. <laughs> and I said, well, but did she tell you that people are trying to kill her? Because that was a big thing. She thought 
this woman who she named killer because she didn't know her name because yeah. she wasn't real was mm -hmm. trying to kill her and then that piqued his interest but she wouldn't go back she was very stubborn and she had fears around mm -hmm. having dementia slash dying she just wanted to be young forever yeah so, i get yeah. that i get that <laughs> my mom she doesn't anymore but likes to buy products online to you know health care skin care so you know there's just that part of that person sometimes it just is not comfortable becoming older right you know? I feel it. <laughs> I'm right there. <laughs> I might be one of those people in the future. So I get it. So when did you finally get her diagnosed? I know you said that, was it your sister or a friend that, that sent you uh, something? My cousin. You, your cousin. Yes. After that, when did you get her finally diagnosed? After I researched and looked all this up, I made an appointment. My mother used to winter in Florida and I live up on in Massachusetts. Okay. And I would visit her for however many weeks, depending on where my children were in their lives. And yeah. at this point, they're all out of the house. So I would visit her and stay with her for a month at a time. And I would make doctor's appointments while I was there. And mm -hmm. I tried to tell her primary care doctor that what I suspected, but you know, wherever I went, neurologists, they all poo-pooed me. They just said, no, mm -hmm. I felt like I was the crazy one. I yeah politically correct word well no you like you because you were saying all this stuff you're like i know i see it i hear it she tells me these things i get it yes right so it took me a long time finally i went to a support group and there was one woman who said i know what that disease is and i am going to help you it's it's a cruel disease and i'm going to help you through it and i thought finally somebody that at least even understood. I was amazed at the amount of people in the medical community that never heard of this, this dementia, Lewy bodies. I mean, I asked people who worked in nursing homes, doctors, nurses, neurologists, hospital people, no one, no one knew anything about it. Wow. So once I got her diagnosed and finally I, I made an appointment, the woman at the support group said, wait, get an appointment with this particular neurologist because he knows about the disease don't waste your time with people that will fight you on it yeah. and i did it so it took me about six months after that to get her diagnosed and did they put her on medication was she okay with that she wasn't okay with that she was furious she said right in front of the neurologist this doctor is a quack and i will not stop searching i'm going to get a reporter i know these stories are true i know what i'm visualizing is true and I am not going to stop until I find somebody that can defend my my truth and I couldn't force her to take the drugs it was Seroquel that would have helped knock down the the hallucinations but mm -hmm. I couldn't force her to because she wasn't harming herself mm -hmm. so until that day came there wasn't anything I could do Oh, so you couldn't get any kind of power of attorney. She wasn't willing to give you any kind of even medical power of attorney to help. So it was like her against you, basically. Yes. Mm. Medically speaking, it was her against me. I mean, yes. we were best buds, but she just wouldn't listen when it mm. came to her help. She said the disease is a farce. And again, I think it was part of her not willing to recognize that people get old. She kept saying she was desperately afraid that this would happen to her. She did not want to turn into a two-year-old. So she had a lot of fears. Mm -hmm. And I think if she went along with a regimen of prescriptions, that would have just 
sort of validated the fact that she had the disease and she Got just would not, she just wouldn't go there. Yeah. It, it wasn't in the cards. So no. something that was not happening. Yeah. And the fact that you're best buds, I get the dynamic, the mother daughter dynamic, you know, my mom is my best friend, but she also doesn't want me telling her when to take her medications right, <laughs> or what to do or anything like that. So I always have to, you know, her caregiver is the person that tells her those things. And the doctor said, you can't drive anymore. I, I leave it up to others that she is more comfortable with telling her about her because she's very aware that she has what she has. She just uh, is not always good with me suggesting <laughs> things that she should or shouldn't be doing like driving so and you know so you must know that it's it's such a hard line to walk that yes. you know this is your mother you yes. can't be telling your mother what to do you love her she raised mm -hmm. you it's very difficult it's very yes. difficult and it is something that well i learned after she was diagnosed something called redirect and then i also utilized the fact that because she helped my grandfather and my grandmother, he got sick and eventually towards his latter years got dementia, memory loss. And I would remind her, remember what grandpa, you said you would never do this. When, right. Yeah. You, I would always use that story and she would remember. And then she calms down and, and I just approach it differently now, but it is a tough until you know how to talk to somebody or your loved one with just dementia, Louis bodies or any other of these, you know, cognitive diseases. It's hard. It's hard. Yes. So what happened after, you know, she got diagnosed, wouldn't take medications? Well, it was about two years that I stayed in the house. I mean, at, at first I could take her out to lunch and then that stopped because I didn't know if I could get her back into the car because then wow. she started sundowning. And then it was about two years that I pretty much didn't leave my house, basically. And mm -hmm. I, I did have help on Wednesdays where I had the whole day where I could do whatever I needed to do. And I saw my therapist a lot. Yes. Good for you. Good <laughs> Saved for you. my life. Yes. yes. And then my children started to say, mom, this is ridiculous. I couldn't go to any of my grandchildren's birthday parties. I could, I mean, I basically could not leave the house with her, yeah. but I couldn't put her in a long-term care facility. I just could not bring myself to do that to my mother. Mm -hmm. And so I finally made a promise to them. And I said, I'll tell you what, if she goes into the hospital and goes into rehab again, then I'll make that long-term care. And that's what I did. It's still heartbroken about it, but that's what we did. Well, you did the best you could do. And I applaud you. You're an amazing daughter. So thank you. I have to say that I always remind people that they are doing the best they can, especially when right. it's just thrown at you. So good for you. And no one can tell you how to feel, but I just, you know, want you to know that you shouldn't feel that way. You did a great job. So Thank you. Yeah, I hear that a lot, but somehow you still have that little nagging thing that says you could have done more, you know? Oh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's always That's, there. We always were. It's a nature of being a human being. <laughs> yes. We like to beat ourselves up for some awful reasons. So you brought up a good thing about, you know, going to seek help or, you know, and your therapist. Would you give that advice to other caregivers? What advice would you give to someone who is a caregiver for a loved one? Well, absolutely. Self-care is huge. And I don't have any sisters. So mm -hmm. I envied people that had sisters that all kind of jumped in there and helped with their parents. And yeah, so I created my own group of sisters because 
I realized that people don't wake up in the morning and say, how can I help Peggy Bushy? They have all kinds of things that they're thinking of, but not how they can help me on a particular day. Yeah. But yet if I asked them for their help, they would say, absolutely. What time and where and what can I do? So I sort of created a group of helpers and Mm -hmm. this one did this and this one did that. and, And as well as the tasks that I had to do that I was terrible at Mm -hmm. that was traumatic for both my mother and me because Mm -hmm. I didn't like doing it and she didn't like me doing it. It was nasty. I got help for, I paid Mm -hmm. somebody to help me with. There wasn't a lot of money, but you can figure out how to allocate a certain amount to get done what you need to get done and keep it as, I don't know, light and easy as possible. Oh yeah. Definitely. It it is one of the hardest things to find, you know, just a caregiver in general to help you when you do need that assistance, your friends, but asking your friends, I found too, that if you just ask, you know, they will help because it is something that people don't always know how to help you. So if you, you know, start with something like, Hey, could you, I don't know, like grocery store shopping, you know, something like that, you know, so they don't even know that you need help. I mean, I I wrote the book and Dear friends of mine said, I had no idea you were going through all that, you know, so they just don't know unless you invite them in. Yeah. So that's, that's a great segue. So how long after your mom's passing, did you write your book, Louie, Mom and Me, which is a great name. The book book was spiritually driven. It wrote itself, honestly. When my mother went into long-term care, I was looking, or even before then, when she was still with me, I was looking for a book, a support book. You know, I didn't want a medical book. I wanted a memoir and I could not find anything out there. So I did a lot of journaling. Obviously, when you do a lot of therapy, you do a lot of journaling. Mm -hmm. And I just put my journals together and wrote a book. And it's just about the journey that I had just so that other people could see that they weren't alone. Mm -hmm. I'm on a Facebook site. It's a Louis body group. And there are a lot of people on this site. And I am amazed at how many of these people think that they're alone. Yeah. They're not, but there aren't a lot of resources. So they feel like they're alone. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm on a Facebook group as well. And it definitely is something that there's a caregiver's crisis. 100%. We're living longer and there's more and more people that need care and there's more and more caregivers every day that feel like, what do they do? And, and where do I start? And, you know, am I the only one out there? Right. You know, is what I definitely noticed. So what's one thing that you would want people to know about Louis Body's dementia? I think, Maybe a couple. It doesn't have to be one. <laughs> I think the biggest thing is to get a proper diagnosis. Mm-hmm which is difficult to do. Well, because there's there's not a lot of knowledge about it still in the medical community. So there's a lot of pushback on making that diagnosis. But if you get the proper diagnosis, then you know how to treat it medically and you know how to treat the person that you love instead of fighting with them. And I know that that happens with all kinds of dementias, but 
Louis body, as I said, you know, they fluctuate in and out of cognition. So it's a little bit different because you think this person is their typical selves and then one minute they're not and you don't mm -hmm. understand what that is. I actually had an Amazon review that said, I'm paraphrasing, but basically this woman is a nut. She Either you have dementia or you don't. She doesn't know anything about what she's talking about. And I thought, thank you. That's the best review you could give me because that's what's so <laughs> frustrating about Louis Body to sit dementia. One minute they're themselves and the next minute they're off the wall. <laughs> you think, what happened? So, you know, hang in there and get that fight to get the proper diagnosis. And yeah. then you know what you're dealing with, I would say. And then get a power of attorney if you don't have one as soon as possible and a Absolutely. healthcare proxy as soon as possible so that you can go in there with your loved one and hear what they're telling the doctor and what yes. the doctor is telling them. Yep. That was the first thing I did. Yes. Was to get power of attorney when she got diagnosed. And thank goodness seven years ago, because doing it now, she would not, she, you know, exactly is easy, but that was one of the very first things when the doctor said she was very okay with me getting that. And so I could understand things. And then also with, you know, her finances, because she was a little upside down because she just forgot to pay her bills. Right. So even though she had the money to pay her bills, she just, they weren't getting paid. So my um, mother had hallucinations that stole her bills and hid oh, them on her. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I looked up your reviews and, and all of them were amazing. So, you know, it's kind of funny that you said that about the person and, <laughs> and saying that, but the first 10 that I read were, this book is amazing. Everyone should read it. <laughs> Thank you. So I definitely uh, give you that. I want to say that out loud. So what is something that surprised you about being a caregiver? The biggest surprise for me was I always thought I'm not a Florence Nightingale. I mean, I, I raised children and, and did all that you have to do to, you know, the boo-boos and the, all the icky stuff, but I didn't like the nursing kind of thing. I, whenever they needed help, I sent them to their father if they were bleeding or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but with my mother, the first time I said, I can't, I draw the line at toileting or showering. Mm -hmm. But when it happens, it just happens and you do it. And then you find out that you can do it and you find ways to do it better. Mm -hmm. Or as I said, if showering was not my best thing and it was because it took her 45 minutes to get from taking your clothes off to the shower because she would check the drawers and, and check her toiletries and check this and check that. You know, I just didn't have the patience for it. I had a lot of other things to do. So I hired somebody to, to shower her and they turned it into a big party and it voila, it was the best thing I, I could think of. But yeah, so you just don't think that you can care for your parent in that way. Mm -hmm. And it's surprisingly, I did, yeah. you know, you just do it. And you know, my grandmother used to say a clear conscience is a soft pillow. And doing that caregiving is a soft pillow. You just, you do the best you can, you care for somebody. And you can take that pillow with you the rest of your life you know it's a soft pillow it, I guess yeah that's all <laughs> it is. I tell people that you know God gives you children because one of those children I have siblings and one maybe all but one starts out the one that's gonna be taking care of you and, and you know get the others involved or figure out the plan so it is and then you know others say it's our 
you know, working our way into heaven or, you know, whatever the religious belief is. Right. Um, but it is something that I feel my mom gave me life and provided for me, you know, for 18 years and set me on my way. And it's the least I can do in her last years of life is to make sure she's cared for. And that's what exactly what you did. Uh, A lot longer, you know, than the seven years I've been going through it. So again, I applaud you because it is something that is a labor of love for sure. Thank Uh, you. So where can folks, one, buy your book and two, maybe connect with you if they have any more questions? I have a website, PeggyBushy.com. Okay. And my book's on Amazon and it's also on my website and it's in a few local stores, but if you're on Cape Cod... (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm happy to answer questions. I know it is a small world when you're taking care of somebody with under the Louis body umbrella. So if they ask me a question on my website, through my website, I'm happy as much as I can to answer questions and help. Well, that's awesome. That's, yeah. that's all you can do is share the knowledge, pass it on and, you know, just know that you did the best you could do and we're humans, you know, we're, right. we're figuring out as we go because exactly. like, it's the smallest sector and there's no cure for any of these forms of dementia. I don't think that there'll be one in our, you know, in my lifetime and I'm 45. So I know there won't be one in my mom's either. So all we can do is just share with one another. Exactly. Because I know I made a lot of mistakes. So it's mm-hmm. nice to be able to hear, okay, well, don't do that or watch out for that. I know everybody's different, but yes. if we can support each other, then we can help avoid maybe making some mistakes and hardships along yeah. the way. Yes. And regretting anything that we were just doing out of love or out of, I don't want to say the word ignorance, but it is, you, right. know, you don't know what you don't know. So exactly. it is, you're doing the best that you can. Well, thank you again, Peggy. I do appreciate you joining me today and sharing your story. I appreciate your time. I'm very grateful for people like you that are willing to share their knowledge with myself and the listeners. And I'm grateful for people like you who have their eyes open to the Louis body umbrella and helping getting it out there. It's important. Thank you. Thank you to the listeners for tuning in. And if you know somebody that could use this message, this episode, please share it with them. If they have any questions, again, they can reach out to Peggy. They can always message me as well on Facebook, LinkedIn, DM, Instagram, Twitter, all those great places. And until next week, remember sharing is caring. And to the caregivers listening, in the words of Dottie Gandy, you have my undying love, gratitude, and admiration. And to all those that have not had a conversation with your family members about dementia, any form of all these dementias that are out there, please start talking about the what if something happens and they can no longer care for themselves. What's the plan? Because take it from a daughter with a mother who has dementia that I wish I had had that tough conversation with her at least 10 years ago. So thank you again. Thanks, Peggy. Thank you.